0: Today's podcast is from the Lawrence Firth and Goal Clinic, where Coach Phil Longo, offensive coordinator at North Carolina, talked about coordinating an offense. And in this segment, he's going to share his philosophy, and that philosophy really drives all his work as an offensive coordinator. I really enjoyed this talk, and I was texting with Coach this morning, told him I wanted to get him on and dig more into the idea of things needing to be simple and efficient and how that formula really works to create a powerful offense. So we'll get him on here in the future. You can get this one on CoachTube, the entire talk. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. I'll also put the link to our interview with Coach Longo, where he talked about his beginning in football, as well as grading instinctiveness, which he mentions in this one. So enjoy this one with Coach Phil Longo.
1: Sometimes this can be deemed as a boring topic because it's a little bit more generic in nature. It's not scheme. It's not X's and O's. It's not technique. But I would say 25, 30 years ago, I went through one of these talks, maybe more so just to attend than I was sitting there with a couple of buddies of mine. And I wound up being more interested and more drawn to this talk back then than I thought I would be. And it was a little bit of an eye opener for me because I I was so enthralled when I was a younger coach about the X's and O's and and plays and techniques and all that stuff. And you know, I was in the learning stages of being a coach and I didn't really ever look at, even though I was coordinating at the time, I didn't really ever sit down and think about what truly is my philosophy and how am I going to go about getting done what I wanted to get done. And to this day, I still have those notes and I'm still thankful that I sat in on that one. And it kind of shifted my thought process with regards to how I wanted to run an offense. And then that was all prior to meeting Coach Leach. And some of the other coaches that were great mentors of mine in the early stages of my career. So I just thought um, I wanted to do something different this year with regards to talking about football that I thought and hope would be helpful. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the things that we've done, things that we've collected, and uh, progressed to, and improved, and upgraded to through 33 years of coaching. And I and hopefully it's helpful to you from an offensive standpoint. You know, everything starts with a philosophy. I used to think that that stuff was a lot of BS. You know, I thought it was all about X's and O's, but I, I do think to develop a culture like everybody talks about, or to develop an understanding of what you're trying to do offensively, you have to at least share what I think needs to be a simple philosophy. And I think the more wordy and the more complicated and the more sophisticated you get, the more uh, there's a chance for things to be forgotten. And so we kind of keep everything offensively that we do and that includes philosophy it includes organization It includes logistics it includes x's and o's and it includes technique we want to be simple from from front to back from top to bottom and every year when the the season is over we go through the same self-scout and self-evaluation process that i think a lot of people probably go through to try and identify critically what you're not doing well and then, you, you know, you try to research and develop those areas so that they're better the following year. We go through that same process. One of the other things that we do is we go through a process of simplification. And when I'm somewhere for a while and we had the same staff for a while, you know, we get some staff members at times that tend to roll their eyes and wonder why the heck are we going through this again. We just simplified four verticals last year about as much as we could. Well, this year we're going to look at four verticals again. And if there's a way to simplify it to make it even easier for our players with one stipulation, we're going to do it. And that stipulation is we're going to simplify as far. We're going to skim it down as far as we can, as long as it doesn't cheat efficiency. And so as as long as we can continue to run the play as efficiently as we have or greater or better, and we can still simplify it somehow, some way, then we're going to do that. And it's amazing. You just think you you reached your limit. You can't go any further with a play. And then next year we have a new coach and a new idea and, and a, you know, a new uh, approach. And it gives us a way maybe to simplify this again and still be just as good at it. So this is, this is really where we start. We want to be as simple as possible. We want to be as efficient as possible. And uh, that's, that's kind of a fine line. So it's really my job at the end of the day to decide, hey, if we get any simpler, we're not going to be as efficient. We're not going to be able to handle all the situations that we see defensively. And it's also, you know, I ask our staff to make some good decisions with regards to, is this play efficient enough to keep it in the offense? And if it's not, we're going to move it on and replace it with a better approach. Philosophically, this is the exact same slide and the same presentation that I share with our team every year. And one of the things that I tell them in our meeting is, hey, for the veterans that are back, this is the same slide I showed you last year. You know, you don't reinvent the, the sport of football every year. You don't reinvent your culture and your theme and your philosophy from one year to the next, provided it's working. And so this is it. We want to we play fast. And that means we're going to recruit speed and we're going to put speed in certain positions because we'd like to attack space. We'd like to get the ball to kids that have speed and, and COD ability, change of direction ability so that we don't have to coach them on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And so it all started, you know, if you're in high school, you know, what we did when I coached in high school was I, I tried to find the fast soccer kids. I tried to find the fast base runners. I tried to find the, you know, the great point guards in basketball, the guys that could change direction. We tried to go and recruit all those kids and get them out to play our skill positions in football. And so that was, you know, it's a different type of recruiting. You know, and I'm, I'm semi-joking here, but if you're at a private school, you're all recruiting anyway, so what does it matter. You can do the same things we can do. But you've got to find a way to, to be able to go get what you need. And I know that's a lot more limiting in high school. Whatever speed you do have, we would try to take it and cultivate it and put it into those skill positions because we wanted to be a fast team on the field. Secondly, we want to play instinctively. You know, I think a lot of coaches believe that this is – just a gimmick or, you know, it's, we're saying it, but we're not really sticking to it. If I say anything tonight on this talk about coordinating an offense that is going to resonate with our team and they're going to understand that I a hundred percent believe in it. It's going to be this part of it. The reason we want things simple is because we want them to be able to play without thinking. We want them to be able to play instinctively. And that's not lip service, you know, and that's why we shave everything down and make it as simple as possible. We all have coached players that are intelligent. We've all coached players that are limited intellectually at times. And some of them are smart, but they can't think fast, you know, when the bullets are flying in the the heat of the ball game. And so to take a kid with tremendous athletic ability and teach him all the football that you know, to try and impress him with what you know about the game and just completely mentally handicap him from having the opportunity to play fast to me, it's just very counterproductive and I don't think it lends to winning ballgames. And so what we want to do is we want to take even the smart players, the less they have to think, the more they can play instinctively. And I think to teach a player too much, to try to do too much, you can, you know, is is really handicapping him no matter how good or bad he is athletically. You recruit a four, three, eight, forty wide receiver and you teach him abundance of things far more than he really needs to know to be an athletic weapon on the field, you know, and he's going to play like a four six kid because he's unsure. You want a guy to be able to get the signal or hear the play call line up and do this like he's done it every day of his life. And the fewer plays you run, the fewer things you teach, the fewer things that you do, the more reps you get at him, And the better you're going to get at all of those skills and fundamental techniques. And so that is really playing instinctively here, and we live by it, and that's really how we, we, we really establish and run the entire offense. And then the last one is, you know, we, we just – we say next play always. It's, it's, you know, you have to have a short memory. And not just with regards to what happened on the last play from a negative standpoint. We want to be able to line up as quickly as possible and play the next play. So when you're doing that with fast players and those fast players are playing instinctively because you're keeping it simple and then we don't let the last play affect what we do on the next play. I don't know if we can put an athlete in a better position to go play any sport than that scenario that I just described. It doesn't mean we're right. and It doesn't mean that's the only way to do it, but this is really what we base every decision offensively on that we make with regards to anything in the system from philosophy all the way down to the, the final technique, you know, at a position, the negative play that occurs on second down, you obviously don't, we don't want to be pissed off. We don't want to be emotional. We don't even want to think about it when the play is over drop balls, a drop ball, move on. I'm not going to yell at you during the game for it. We don't have time for it and we don't want you thinking about it, but I think it's equally as true. When you have a positive play, we don't want to over-celebrate. We don't want to trash talk. We don't want to taunt. We don't want to do anything that distracts us from looking over and getting the signal or hearing it from the quarterback so that we can line up quickly and go play instinctively on the next play. And that, in a nutshell, is our philosophy, and it's no more complicated than that. Depth chart-wise, I love the slogan that the Pittsburgh Steelers have currently. Their slogan is, the standard is the standard then nothing could be more true than than at our place. You know, we are setting a standard at every single position, and it is our hope that we not only have three guys or four guys that we're going to play in every game that have met the standard athletically, mentally, from an endurance standpoint, and from a character standpoint. And so when, when we get those guys to meet the standard that we have, let's say at wide receiver, then we're going to play them. And what we want, if we have a room of 14 or 16 receivers, we'd love to have all 16 meet the standard. Now that doesn't happen, but there are times when we have six, seven, eight guys that do meet the standard. And it's not necessarily they have to be the best guy in the room at their position. What they need to do is meet the standard. And we'd love to have tremendous depth in each room that meets the standard, which means athletically, mentally, you know, uh, from an endurance standpoint and a character standpoint, they match everything and they can play for us right now. And so if they meet the standard, then maybe we can rotate through eight or nine linemen. We can rotate through five or six wide receivers. We can utilize two or three and even sometimes four running backs. We can utilize three and sometimes four tight ends in a ball game, because we have the, that amount of depth, you know, that can play and help our team and, and execute at a, at a level high enough that would allow us to win the ballgame. And I think nowadays, more importantly, with the portal that now exists in college football, you want to have a philosophy and an approach that allows you to play more people when they have earned the right to play. And, you know, the the, the easiest way to maintain a roster is to get more people on the field, you know, and and we do that here. We play a lot of players at North Carolina. We played a lot of players on offense just about everywhere I've been, and I think it helps – um, more players at the end of a week of preparation have a true stake in the game on Saturday because they have a role and they can contribute. Now, we've also been been uh, caught in certain years where we have very little depth in a room and we have to play uh, fewer players more. But with our tempo, we really want to utilize, we'd love to use 18 to 22 players a game on offense as opposed to you know, 12 to 15. Fewer starters, Fewer starter reps, meaning like I give you a good example. A.J. Brown was our starting slot at Ole Miss in uh, 2017, 2018. You know, we started the season in 2017 and he was getting like 79, 83 reps a game. He was in that, that, that high 70, low 80 window and about halfway through the season, you know, we established another slot, Elijah Moore, who actually went on to lead the country in receiving in his own right when he was the starter. But, we, but he developed to a point where we could rep him in a game. And so the reps for A.J. Brown dropped down to about 55 to 58 reps in the ballgame, and we were able to steal some reps from him. So he played less, was fresher while he was out there, and his catches remained the same, and his yardage output per game went up. So he played fewer plays, and he was more prolific and made a greater contribution in the game than when we had him out there for, you know, 79, 80 plays a ballgame. And and on top of it now, you've got another guy that's developing and producing and doing some things for you in his 20 to 30 reps in the ballgame. And so we we have, uh, that was just one example that I think really just validates, you know, the ability to play more people when they meet the standard that you've developed at that position. And we have one, obviously, for every position. We also are going to split reps from a philosophical standpoint. We want to develop our kids the entire year. And so if we go racks of four on offense or racks of six or racks of eight, then there, we're going to give equal racks and reps to the, the twos on our team. And so when Shea Patterson got hurt, he goes through half the season. He's leading the country in passing and in a total offense through the first half of the season um, at Old Miss. And then he, he he blows out his LCL and he's done it for the season. Jordan Tom, who came in. And was just as efficient as Shea, as Shea was and put up the same, same numbers and it was the same production during his six games that season. And one of it was talent and his preparation. But the other was we gave him, you know, ample opportunity with equal reps and practice to develop. So every single play that Shea Patterson had in that game, Jordan Tomu also had. And we do the same thing here. So Sam Howell got his reps at North Carolina, and our backup got equal amount of reps. Jacoby Criswell was our backup last year, and he got the same exact amount of reps that Sam Howell got. And when he did have an opportunity to play, you know, his numbers were very similar. And so that's what you hope with regards to providing equal reps, provided you have the time to do it. Um, The teaching approach, I've already talked about simple and efficient. And I think that the simpler you are, the closer you get to mastery of your craft with regards to your position. At the receiver position specifically, we provide a lot of route freedom in this offense. And that really stems from the entire air raid philosophy. And from a passing game standpoint and a philosophy standpoint, that's what our offense is. It's air raid in nature. And we give a lot of freedom to, you know, I've never really defined the air raid offense with regards to just the plays. You know, the offense has, you know, has a staple of plays that has made the uh, the system so famous, I guess. But really, it's the philosophy that I'm drawn to. And that's keeping it simple. That's mastering things by running less and doing it more often. And it's providing freedom for your players. And so at the receiver position, you know, we do that without question. We don't want to handcuff them mentally by burdening them with too much. We also want to let them play with the speed they were blessed with. And we want them to play instinctively. And and so there are a lot of routes that they can throttle, they can break off, they can settle up and, and do some things where they're attacking open grass and zone coverage. And obviously, just like everybody else, man coverage is about having an arsenal in your release technique repertoire that that, that allows you to be able to separate so that we can focus on ball placement at quarterback and and get the receiver the football where it's probably most opportunistic and it doesn't allow the defense of of a coverage defender to to get a hand on the football.
0: That's the first part of Coach Longo's talk from the Lawrence First in Goal Clinic, where he talked about coordinating an offense. The entire clinic talk, which includes video from practice and games, can be found on CoachTube. The link is in the show notes. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com.